last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Oh, yeah. Dr. Dre, keep their heads ringing. You have some fun radio hits and you have great rap. You do not have transcendent rock and roll that I do. And And the idea that Kyle Shanahan is a savior coach and he can turn it around with his magic book of spells. Did Kyle Shanahan go to Hogwarts, Nate? Yeah, he was in House Slytherin. And, you know, you can imagine me, big white t-shirt, sagging jeans, backwards cap, minimal group of friends. And why are you the guy that's posting Dynasty Trades? That's so obnoxious. You're only posting it to show off. That's all you're doing. You're just showing off. You don't genuinely care what anyone thinks. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. What's up, Matt? <laughs> Feeling great, man. Just finished a movie night with my daughter, watched Moana. Do you know what my favorite part of movie night is, Nate? All the candy and popcorn. The popcorn, yes, the popcorn, because did you know that Matt Kelly makes a signature movie theater popcorn on his stovetop? No, I was absolutely unaware of that. I don't know how I would have known that, but I definitely didn't know that. Movie theater popcorn is delicious, and I make an exact replica at home. Would you like to know how to make it? Yes. Can I can I ask one question before you explain this? Do you need the uh, Do you need like the red wagon popper box? You know the 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 giant. <laughs> I don't know what that thing is. No. Okay, go on. No, you just need a kettle, just a kettle to put on the stove. And first and foremost, you go buy some popcorn kernels. I go to a local farm that sells fresh, organic popcorn kernels because I live in Connecticut and we're surrounded by these niche farms and they're all great. You have the farm share package. You pick up your bushel of vegetables and have them throw some fresh popcorn kernels in to go. You can just buy a container of popcorn kernels. You don't have to buy the high-end variety, but I'm Matt Kelly, and that's why I'm me. (laughs) All right. So you set your oven to high to take out any kettle where you would boil water, and you cover the bottom of the pot with a thin film of canola oil or vegetable oil, and then you add a tablespoon of butter on top, and you put the heat on high, and you let it get very hot. Once it starts crackling, you take a single kernel, Nate, a single kernel, and you drop a single kernel into this buttery oil, and you wait until that single kernel pops, take it out, put it in your mouth, delicious. At that point, you pour a whole cup of your unpopped kernels into the kettle. Cover the kettle, shake the kettle up a little bit, and let the magic happen. You'll start to hear the popping. That's good. You want popping, lots of popping. Once the popping starts to happen in earnest inside the kettle, you give it a little shake. Another minute goes by, give it another shake. As soon as you start to hear the popcorn popping slow down, take it off the heat. It's okay. You don't need to pop every fucking kernel. (laughs) 
my God. You can leave some kernels for Elijah. It's fine. Open the lid to the kettle, and what you need to get is a Flavacol shaker. Flavacol. It's that special yellow salt that they have at the movie theater. Are you familiar with the yellow salt? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with any of this process. Flavacol is a cheese-infused salt that they use at the movie theater. You can buy it on Amazon. Buy a quart of Flavacol, put it in a shaker. Then you give a couple shakes on the top layer of your popcorn. And here's the secret. This is important. I'm dying to know. You need a garlic mill. A garlic mill is like a black pepper grinder, only for garlic. It's filled with minced garlic. And you grind garlic, not into garlic powder. You don't want to use garlic powder. If you use a garlic mill that's grinding minced garlic, it will be a consistency that's between garlic powder and minced garlic. And you give it a few turns and cover the top layer of the popcorn, the sprinkling of your garlic. Then you turn it over, you give it a shake, and you do that one more time with more Flavacol, more garlic. Put the cover back on, give it another good, rigorous shake, and you're done. You have movie, theater, popcorn for your family, and if you're a dad, you'll be a fucking hero. I don't... I don't even know what to do with that. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> Did something die in your throat? No, I just had to clear my throat. I just wow. I didn't know what to do. I was sitting here so long salivating, thinking about how I could figure out how to make popcorn the longest way humanly possible. Oh, here's the upside. It takes less time to make the popcorn than it took me explaining it. I imagine so. That was that was certainly the drawn-out version. But that's the Matt Kelly version. People are going to appreciate that. It's, it's also a cooking show now. Well, you told me before we started that you needed to rush this episode. No, I, you know, and I thought... And you wanted me to be efficient. And you need to know your teammates. Because that, for me, was a cue to go as slow as possible and tell the most long-winded story I have in my arsenal. I imagine that there's something slower in that arsenal, but that was literally one of the slowest. I didn't even know that there was a way to describe making popcorn in such a way, but you certainly broke it down. It's when you said to do things numerous times, the added effect of redundancy really slowed it down. Yeah, I I wanted to hit the gas pedal, but thanks. Thanks for coasting for me. So, (laughs) great. Uh, Why don't we jump into a buzzard email, Matt? Can we start the show with a buzzard email? Can we talk football? I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that were looking for that hit movie night popcorn, but they come to us for a little bit of football conversation. So maybe we can jump into that. And as always... Our buzzard emails are sponsored by Maisie, the app that if you haven't heard us talking about it before, you must never have listened to the show. You can get it in the iOS store or on Android. That's M-A-Z-E-Y, Maisie. It is an awesome app. Collaborate. You know, it's a, give me again. It's the first collaborate. <clears throat> oh my God, dude, you're tilting oh, on the so- Maisie live read? Oh no. Ooh, it's the first this collaboration app you have, that is fantasy. You focused. have an amphibian in your throat and you're tilting the Maisie live oh, read. God, We're five minutes that, in. That fucking popcorn story. Just I was looking at the show sheet. I'm like, I don't see anything on here about how to pop fucking popcorn. It's great. Just throw a bag in the microwave. That's the list version. All right. Let's get back to Maisie. That's why you're you and I'm me. I've been using it for a while now since Matt turned me on to it, using it at all my leagues. And the one really cool thing about it that I learned recently while having an issue is that the support team with Maisie on Twitter is very responsive and prompt. 
I was having an issue trying to figure out how to delete one of my channels because I didn't need it anymore. It was in use from last season. Couldn't figure out how to do it because there's not a specific delete button or anything like that. So I got in touch with Maisie at their Twitter account and asked them how to do it. And you just go to it, click a button, click archive, boom, gone. So it's cool that those guys are so active and responsive as well. And they're active and responsive to the needs of fantasy footballers because that's their focus audience. That's why they rolled out a new feature allowing commissioners of leagues to lock down control of certain channels. So the league commissioners wanted to have a channel dedicated to official league business, constitution talk. There's a lot of flexibility on Maisie for anyone that's having a conversation to start a new channel, invite others. But what Maisie did was say, no, for special channels inside the app, commissioners are allowed to lock them down. So one of the things we want to do every week is talk about the new features and enhancements that Maisie is rolling out. And the best ones are the ones that are specific to the fantasy football community because there's no other chat app to replace your archaic message board on the app store. Just search Maisie, M-A-Z-E-Y. There's nothing like it out there catering to fantasy football. It's true. And that's a great point because for a while I was creating channels and putting in parentheses view only because that's what I wanted. I wanted to be the only one posting in it so it was concise and everybody could go to one place. And then all of a sudden people were posting in it and I couldn't delete them and they weren't deleting themselves. And I love envisioning you getting frustrated by your league mates commandeering an official league business channel from Nate List. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine how easily it could get under my skin when somebody's just posting little shit in there and I just I couldn't handle it anymore. So thank you, Maisie. We appreciate it. Thank you for the necessary update. It is amazing. Now, on to business. Let's talk about this buzzard email. Okay, Matt, here you go. Short and simple. Kelvin Benjamin or Devin Funches? Oh, no. No. Are we going into reruns here, Buzzards? Were you not tuning in last season when we told you definitively that Devin Funches looks a lot like Kelvin Benjamin, except that he's just better all around in every way? Because that's what Devin Funches is. He's a better version of Kelvin Benjamin. He's a more productive college receiver that was more athletic coming out of Michigan with Kelvin Benjamin's size. So that's why we love Devin Funches longer term. And the beauty is Devin Funches is available in the double-digit rounds of Dynasty Startups, and he's 23 years old, scheduled to be the starter in two receiver sets opposite Kelvin Benjamin in 2017. I mean, it's wheels up for Devin Funches. We talk about the third-year leap for wide receivers. That used to be a very common cliche topic. It's talked about much less frequently. But as we saw last year with Devontae Adams, sometimes it takes two extremely underwhelming seasons for everything to finally click into place for a wide receiver that has an exceptional talent profile tethered to a prolific quarterback, and that's what Devin Funchess is. This is the perfect time to acquire Devin Funchess in Dynasty Leagues because I don't think most people know how young he is. He's younger than Kenny Galladay, Nate, and he has two seasons in the NFL under his belt. He has two training camps already under his belt, two preseasons, two full seasons. Imagine the lessons that Devin Funches has already learned that Kenny Galladay is going to be trying to learn this season at an older age, and yet Devin Funches is being drafted after Kenny Galladay in startups. That 
doesn't make sense. You want to draft Devin Funchess because he has that sleeper potential in 2017 while being 23 years old. He is the quintessential Dynasty League sleeper. He came into the league super young, which is something I wanted to note too. And the other thing is coming out of college, he didn't have a prolific college career, but he was productive. He was a tight end. He was a wide receiver as a junior. So a late breakout for him would make sense on a team like this. But yes, he's really young. If you look at some of the production that he's done though, per PFF, here's some of his stats. These are interesting ones that I read. So Devin Funches did have the worst drop rate among receivers with at least 50 targets, dropping six of 29 catchable balls. Right. He had a 10% drop rate. That's a big number. I mean, his 39.7% catch rate was 108th in the league. It's very rare to see a wide receiver that's getting 58 targets catch less than 40% of them. You didn't see it in all of 2015, (laughs) but in the 2016 season, that guy was Devin Funchess. Fortunately, his best comparable player is Brandon Marshall, and the NFL leader in drops the last five years is... Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall. Let me hit you with a stat, though, also. So you're talking about 2015, and everybody that's well aware, that was Cam Newton's best season. Had a phenomenal year in 2015. If you look at 2016, this might be part of the reason that we can attribute some of the down production to the receivers in this core. Cam Newton was the most frequently blitzed quarterback by percent of dropbacks. 40% last season. So blitzed on 40% of his dropbacks. And Cam Newton is not known for being the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. So you tether that with consistent pressure, changes in the O-line, and a young receiving court, and even Kelvin Benjamin, who's not a dynamic receiver out there, and an older Greg Olson. No. It's difficult for Cam Newton. So if things are shored up this year, Cam Newton could have a great year, which is going to reflect well for Devin Funches because Devin Funches is a very good player. Last year, Devin Funches, 81.5% of his receptions resulted in first downs. Devin Funches, of all of his deep passes, dropped none of them. That's passes over 20 yards. And his contested catch rate, 77.8%. That was 18th in the league. So in contested situations, he's converting receptions. It's just that Cam Newton was not throwing a lot of catchable passes last year. Why do you think all the receivers in Carolina had well below average catch rates? Why do you think that is? Think they're all incompetent? No. Cam Newton was awful last year. And if there's a receiver that you could point to and say, he's the reason why Cam Newton struggled, it's Kelvin Benjamin. Because look at the splits with Kelvin Benjamin. They're mind-blowing. In 2011, Cam Newton was the number three quarterback in fantasy. Then in 2012, he was the number four quarterback in fantasy. Then in 2013, he was the number three quarterback in fantasy. So Cam Newton started his career hot. Then Kelvin Benjamin comes into town. And what happens? In 2014, Cam Newton finishes as the number 17 quarterback in fantasy. Then Kelvin Benjamin's loss for the year in 2015 in training camp. And Cam Newton is the number one quarterback in fantasy, posting more than 26 fantasy points per game. Kelvin Benjamin makes his triumphant return in 2016. What happens? Cam Newton again finishes outside the top 15 quarterbacks. And if you are trying to identify trends in catch rate, Kelvin Benjamin's catch rate in 2014 is 50%. Then in 2016, 53%. So the common denominator across all of Cam Newton's professional failures is 
Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, you know, there's other things in there, rushing production and stuff like that, where in 2015, he rushed 40 plus more times than he did in 2016, had five more touchdowns, 200 more rush yards. So his overall finishes have a lot to do with his legs as well. I don't love Kelvin Benjamin, just like you don't love Kelvin Benjamin. Nobody loves Kelvin Benjamin, but there's reason to think that Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches's roles will flip this year. We predicted it would happen. We hoped it would happen in 2016 when we were talking a year ago. And it didn't. The reason why it didn't is because Devin Funches is 22 years old. He and Amari Cooper were by far and away the two youngest wide receivers in the 2015 class. Devin Funches would have been better off going back to school and coming out in 2016. I don't think anyone would dispute that. He would have been a first-round pick in 2016 had he gone back to school, but we don't have a time machine. We can't do a redo. So he was 22 years old, thrust into a part-time role as the number three option with a 53% snap share, and he underwhelmed. Big deal. I zoom out. I look at his dominance at the college level because he was dominant playing this tight end wide receiver hybrid role for Michigan. We have a metric on playerprofiler.com called College Dominator Rating specifically to identify fantastic prospects like Devin Funchess. 41.4% Dominator Rating is 82nd percentile, but he never eclipsed 1,000 yards. Why? Because his quarterback was actually a running back! His quarterback was Denard Robinson. That's why Denard Robinson was immediately converted to running back upon entering the NFL. Because he's not a real quarterback. He was a running back. That was the individual throwing passes to Devin Funches at Michigan. So I'm not worried about Devin Funches's career trajectory. I think his career trajectory is pointed exactly in the right direction. And I, I totally agree. I see Devin Funches assuming that wide receiver one role in this offense. And I'm pretty sure that the Carolina Panthers were well aware of the most frequently blitzed quarterback in the NFL and Cam Newton. And that's why they went and got a guy like Christian McCaffrey, somebody in the backfield that's going to keep the second level honest. If they get back too fast, he's assuredly going to be ready for a quick dump off pass or something where he can make something happen in space that does not hurt Devin Funches down the field. There's going to be a lot of pressure taken off of him. So it's a dynamic player that they added to this offense. And there's people out there saying that, oh, now that Christian McCaffrey's there, it's going to hurt the receiver core. No. Greg Olson's still going to get his. What? Devin Funches will ascend as the number one guy in this offense. You're already hearing beat reporters for Carolina saying this is the year. I know we said it last year, but this is the year that Devin Funches usurps Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, this is it. This is the one. And his his ADP is so low. Like you're saying, there's just no respect for Devin Funches. And I don't know what it is. Maybe people just assume that because of what Kelvin Benjamin did on insane volume in 2014, they're just looking at raw numbers going, okay, he's going to do it again. It's coming. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's not the guy. It's Devin Funches. And it's still a good opportunity out there to go buy him for very, very cheap. Yeah. The guys we talk about that are available late in dynasty drafts, J.J. Nelson, Paul Richardson, Cole Beasley. They're great values too, but the difference is none of them profile as NFL X receivers, as primary options in a passing game, as go-to options in the red zone. Devin Funches is that. Devin Funches has a ceiling that those other wide receivers cannot touch because people talk about Kelvin Benjamin being this red zone monster, right? 
Last year, Kelvin Benjamin did post a 22.1% red zone target share that was 28th in the NFL. That's impressive. Devin Funchess, 23.7% red zone target share, 19th in the league. So as frequently as Benjamin was targeted in the red zone last year, Funchess was targeted even more frequently at 22 years old. Where are the Devin Funchess and Christian McCaffrey targets going to come from? I contend McCaffrey and Funchess will cannibalize Kelvin Benjamin's targets because Kelvin Benjamin only has gross inefficiency on his NFL resume. It's one thing to have a single inefficient season, but when you start to string together multiple inefficient seasons, eventually that catches up to you. Eventually you stop being a value who's destined to positively revert. Eventually you're just bad. And I'm always skeptical of players that look like Kelvin Benjamin, who emerge out of relative obscurity at the college level, like Kelvin Benjamin did. His final season at Florida State, he was 22 years old. We're looking around going, who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? He's 22. They drop him off from an alien spaceship? Where has he been this whole time? But even though he scored a touchdown in the national championship game that we all remember, so there's that vividness bias, when you zoom out and you look at his college dominator, 29.3% under the 50th percentile. So on a relative basis, you're talking about a wide receiver's contribution to the offense. Devin Funchess was a much bigger contributor at Michigan than Kelvin Benjamin ever was at Florida State, even though what you remember is Kelvin Benjamin scoring that game-winning touchdown. So I'm skeptical of the player that just falls from the sky, scores some touchdowns, and gets drafted in the first round. I'm also skeptical of players that have issues with conditioning. And the player whose profile features two of those egregious red flags is Kelvin Benjamin. Every training camp, the question is, will he report out of shape? And the running back equivalent of Kelvin Benjamin is C.J. Anderson. Because C.J. Anderson was dropped into the NFL out of relative obscurity. And every season, there are questions about his strength and conditioning. We talked about vividness bias. You remember that play in the national championship game. That vaulted Kelvin Benjamin's perception with so many in the football community. Well, there's another kind of bias that infects fantasy football. It's called peak end effect. The peak end effect phenomenon results in a bias toward the thing that happened last. The thing that happened at the end of the season, the thing that happened at the end of the game, that's what we remember. Those plays at the end disproportionately affect our perception. That's why so many fantasy analysts can't let go of C.J. Anderson. Why? Because they remember at the end of the fantasy season, in 2014, they were holding the league trophy. Why? Because of C.J. Anderson. Because he finished that season as the number one running back in fantasy for the final eight weeks. Even outscoring Le'Veon Bell, who had an epic season in his own right, in those final eight weeks. How did C.J. Anderson do it? He did it because during that stretch, he got to face the Oakland Raiders, who were last in the league in points allowed, and the rest of the defenses he faced, none of them were inside the top 10 rush defenses. That's a less than 5% chance that a running back would face eight teams in a row with bad rush defenses. But that's what happened to C.J. Anderson. What you saw at the end of 2014 were random events and outcomes affecting a player's perception. But these red flags 
have been lingering all along. Why wasn't he at all productive in college? Why does he not devote himself to his craft in the offseason? These are players I will never invest in in a Dynasty League context because lifetime value matters in Dynasty Leagues. It's why you couldn't draft Kevin White. Kevin White had over 100 receptions in his senior season. But before that, he couldn't reach 40 receptions. Just dropped out of the sky. And not only that, dropped out of the sky, caught 100 passes, and posted a 90th percentile height-adjusted speed score at the NFL Scouting Combine. Just vaporized the stopwatches of every scout in Indianapolis. How did he do that? You watch the games. He doesn't look that athletic. How? How? Brashad Perriman did something very similar. Kevin White's best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman's best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is Kevin White. Both of these players underperformed their athleticism at the college level. You would think that Perriman and White, with their 99th percentile height-adjusted speed scores, would be dominant college receivers, but their college dominators trailed their athleticism. That's not the glaring red flag that Kelvin Benjamin showed in college as a prospect, but very concerning. How do players transform themselves into these athletic specimens without revealing it on the field at the college level? There is a way you can transform your body into something unnaturally athletic. Am I right, Nate? I don't know how I'm supposed to answer that, but I agree. I think it's absolutely possible. We've talked on this show how a player's athleticism changes very little during his college career, that the spark scores when they graduate high school move very little by the time they graduate college. But a curious thing happened with Kevin White and Brashad Perriman. I also noticed another interesting player to study is Alshon Jeffrey, because I believe Alshon Jeffrey is one of the few injury-prone players in the NFL. Jordan Reed, injury-prone. Why? Head trauma. Adrian Peterson, injury-prone. Why? A low body mass index and a long history of lower body injuries to essentially every body part, whether it be the knee, the ankle, everything in between, as well as well over 2,000 career touches. So all the warning signs are there on the Adrian Peterson profile. I consider him injury prone, and I consider Alshon Jeffrey injury prone because his injury history is just so dense. There's such a litany of lower body injuries. It's a hamstring. It's a groin. Every bit of soft tissue on Alshon Jeffrey's legs has been pulled and stretched and torn at one point or another. It's baffling. So I think that Alshon Jeffrey and Adrian Peterson and Jordan Reed are the three injury-prone players that I can point to in the NFL. Otherwise, that term is grossly overused in fantasy football. But look at the Alshon Jeffrey profile. Go back to his college resume. He was dominant as a sophomore at South Carolina, but then a funny thing happened. He played 13 games at South Carolina, but he only posted 762 yards and eight touchdowns in his final season. That's why Alshon Jeffrey fell to the third round. And what was the criticism of Alshon Jeffrey coming out of South Carolina? Do you remember, Nate? I don't. What was it? Lacked passion for the game. Okay, that's one. Out of shape poorly conditioned athlete, comes to the NFL, suddenly loses weight, gains muscle, and then in a contract year, what happens? Suspended four games for performance-enhancing drugs. Don't be surprised when the guy that has conditioning issues masked by performance-enhancing drugs gets hurt. I received an email from a listener 
who is familiar with Ryan Matthews' career. Went to high school with Ryan Matthews. And it was a four-paragraph email essentially explaining why he believes Ryan Matthews has been hurt so often in the NFL. He contends that the reason why Ryan Matthews cannot stay healthy is because Ryan Matthews took copious amounts of performance-enhancing drugs in high school. He started in high school, and when you start in high school, it significantly impacts the resiliency and the elasticity of your connective tissue. I don't know about you, but when I look at Ryan Matthews, I see a guy that always looks puffy. He always looks like he's carrying an extra 10 pounds, like he's added water weight. Ryan Matthews has looked like that for the last five years, and he's been breaking bones and pulling muscles ever since he entered the league. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physiologist, but these players have something in common. They are enhancing their performance with hormone-based supplements. Explosion sound. Explosion. I just like to envision everyone just crowded around a transistor radio, just inching closer and closer to the speaker, just enthralled by my words. Because everybody's blown backwards. No, I mean, I think that there's probably quite a few people. Ryan Matthews is on drugs. I said it. Okay. But there's probably a ton of people. It's like you've always heard. I'll show Jeffries on steroids. Whatever is legal or possibly illegal, people are going to take until don't draft Alshon Jeffrey. The league steps in and adjusts this boundary. So there's tons of stuff right now that's legal that guys can take that enhance their performance, enhance their muscular build, enhance their endurance, you know, their body's ability to oxygenate the blood, all these things that are giving them an advantage that haven't been removed from circulation yet. So and those are things that are that are under the umbrella. And so guys like this, I mean it's a great point with two of these players that are consistently injury prone, perhaps during the developmental stage stages of their bodies as their younger athletes they were you know creating degradation in the future because they weren't they weren't getting a natural build to things and they were just masking injuries and powering through injuries and delaying injuries and then they got to the league with the best athletes in the world and they had to run at 100% move at maximum speed Ryan Matthews got drafted in the first round so you could argue it paid off yeah it was worth the risk for him he got paid I'm- but i couldn't believe it when he signed with the eagles I thought this is an incredible bargain. He's a much better value than DeMarco Murray. But NFL teams know things, Nate. NFL teams know who's on what. So when you see a Ryan Matthews and you see an Alshon Jeffries sign a contract that's significantly lower than what you would expect a player that's as efficient and productive as those players, signing contracts, one-year deals for well under what you perceive as market value, don't be shy about asking the logical next question. What do these teams know? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to drop a, let's drop like a, I'm going to drop law and order. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) That's good. Uh, was that a good segment or you look bored? You look bored. No, I, I didn't really have a take on any of that because I mean, it's so speculative, you know? I mean, no, I mean, I, I didn't want to No, really, Nate. I'm Alshon Jeffrey's personal trainer. I injected him in the ass with HGH. 
I have carnal knowledge of Alshon Jeffries' PED use. It's just if these guys are committed athletes, and you got to have the gift. You know what I mean? You got to physically have the gift. If you don't have the gift, you're never going to get there. Alshon Jeffrey clearly has the gift. Sure. 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns at South Carolina. The reason why Alshon Jeffrey's dominator rating is 39.7%, 78th percentile on playerprofiler.com, it's because if a player's final season is not his most dominant, we average his most dominant and his final season together to create his dominator rating. So we gave Alshon Jeffrey a lot of credit for that sophomore season, as I believe we should, because we don't know what the reason was. But now with hindsight, we can look back and go, something's going on with Alshon Jeffrey. I love that I feel like I figured something out with Alshon Jeffrey. Stay away from Alshon Jeffrey. Don't draft him. He's going to be out of the league in a couple of years. Alshon Jeffrey's the next Dwayne Bow. There, I said it. I think I've got this all out of my system. This is really evolved. This is reckless speculation. Yeah, no, I can tell. It's it, You've purged. If anyone listened to this show, I might get sued. It's true. This is slander right now. There's no fact behind any of this. Well, except the fact that he was busted for PEDs. <laughs> Except the positive test. Everything, there's the positive test. <laughs> there is that. Well, we don't know how far back it went, though. <laughs> there's no evidence whatsoever except the suspension. <laughs> yeah, recent suspension. All right, how about a couple guys that I pray aren't using PEDs? Some sleeper Ooh. Debbie prospects. Ooh. These guys might not be sleeper prospects to the college draft Twitter community, but to quite a few of our listeners, I'm sure they don't know much about these players. So we're going to name a couple each to put out there for people to kind of keep an eye on. And some of these guys are a little more well-known, and some of these guys aren't well-known probably at all. Running backs and wide receivers that didn't make your previous top five list. Yes, yes. And so I didn't start. yell and scream about them. So no Aquanaminia St. Brown, <laughs> no Sony Michels. Players we haven't discussed yet. Yes, yes. Here's a player that's outside of most people's top 10, but a lot of people like him. Dante Pettis. Now, mm. you've heard people saying that Dante Pettis, University of Washington, runs a 4.55. Is that correct? Yes. Who says he runs a 4.55? Those at Walter Football believe Dante Pettis runs a 4.55. Are they correct or incorrect, Nate? Okay. The people at Walter Football were never more incorrect. <laughs> oh, we have some breaking news. The people at Walter Football don't know what the fuck they're doing. There's a lot of fact to that. You can look at the rankings. You can look at the assumptions. They're way the hell off base. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> Clearly, it's Walter. <laughs> of course, we know who it is. It's a guy named Walter. What an arrogant name. It's not like your website is mattkellyplayerprofiler.com. You know, you left it out. I'm going to go make my own. I'm going to do listfootball.com. That never occurred to me, but that's true. That is a look at me URL. That's right. It is. So Dante Pettis does not run a four five five. That couldn't be more off base and more inaccurate. And if they listen to this show, they better change it. Walter football leads the sports world in wrong. Yes. At the UW Pro Day. Here is what Dante Pettis put up. I've got 40 yard dash, three cone vertical. Set the leap, record straight, brother. And broad jump. Here we go. 40 yard dash. Now, Dante Pettis is six foot one ninety-two. So here we go. 40 yard dash, four three nine. Three cone, six seven three. <gasps> Vertical leap, forty-one inches. No. Broad jump, ten foot nine. 
Shut your mouth. I'm dead serious. And so Dante Pettis. Shut your mouth. He's going to absolutely shred the combine. There's a couple of downsides to Dante Pettis. I'm not going to break these profiles down super, super far, but Dante Pettis is going to come out on the higher end of the age scale. By the end of his college season this next year, he'll be 23. He's playing as a senior this season. And last year, obviously, John Ross was the premier player on this roster. But Dante Pettis is a very good player, an explosive athlete that can line up anywhere. Great burst, sure-handed, a pro football focus stat on Dante Pettis. He had the lowest drop rate among returning Pac-12 players. He dropped one pass of 72 targeted passes in 2016. And he had the best wide receiver rating of returning Power 5 wide receivers. So the quarterback passer rating when targeting him, 139.0. First in the country. I like how you said Power 5 Conference. I like how you said Power 5 Conference because that disqualifies my guy, Anthony Miller. Doesn't that sound like a comedian? Yeah, it does, actually. Tonight on Comedy Central, Anthony Miller (laughs) roasts Dane Jeselnik. Anthony Jeselnik. I think I combined Anthony Jeselnik and Dane Cook there. Apologies to Anthony Jeselnik there. Go ahead. Dane Cook's a fraud. Yeah, Dane Cook's right up there with Walter Football. (laughs) I think Walter's edged him out. Got got him by a little. (laughs) Anthony Miller, as a junior, posted 95 receptions, 1,400-plus yards, 14 touchdowns, so 15.1 yards per reception. As well, he had one rush attempt per game, a rushing touchdown, so he ended up logging 1,500 yards from scrimmage and 15 total touchdowns. This guy is special. Now, people are going to cite about Anthony Miller that he plays in the American Conference, and that's going to be a fair stat to critique, but... I want to point out that against SEC competition in his one game last year, 10 catches, 132 yards. Do you whistle inward or outward? Outward? No one whistles in. It doesn't sound like you can whistle outward, so that's why I asked the question. Listen, I edited that so the audience wouldn't know that I screwed that whistle up three different times. That's inward right there. Walter Football has Anthony Miller ranked number 19 after players like Brandon Powell, who isn't even the number one wide receiver on his own team. It's embarrassing. This doesn't need to turn into a... Take this website down. (laughs) You can see Ronald Reagan standing outside (laughs) the website. Mr. Gorbachev! Mr. Walter Football! Tear down this website! I'm just waiting to purchase it. I've been I've been holding off, hoping that they're uh, the laps on their domain name. So I can just put up a big <laughs> sign that says "Bad Analysis No Longer Resides Here." Just one <laughs> sign right in the middle. Look at me, bad analysis. Right. You have to buy WalterWalterFootball.com or move on to something <laughs> different. I don't know. We both like Anthony Miller. That was his junior season. He's returning for his senior year at Memphis. He will be relatively old. He didn't play as a true freshman, but we love college dominance. Doesn't matter how athletic he is. Willie Sneed is under the 10th percentile Spark X score, but he was a dominant producer at Ball State. So Anthony Miller's production insulates him from being relatively unathletic. I think he's a player. I think he'll be a contributor in the NFL no matter what he does at the NFL scouting combine. That's why I'm so excited about him, and he should be in everyone's top 10. Walter. 
Can I tell you about a running back who in his freshman year, the same year that Saquon Barkley had his freshman year, in the same conference as Saquon Barkley outproduced him in 2015? Who is this person? My man, Shannon Brooks, Minnesota Golden Gophers. He had a phenomenal freshman year. Is it the Golden Gophers or just the Gophers? Yeah, Golden Gophers. I don't think it's the Golden Gophers. It's absolutely the Golden Gophers. We're gonna put. Isn't it the Minnesota Gophers? No, it's the. You can you can go for look it up. It's Minnesota Golden Gophers, baby, all day. Oh my God, it is the Golden Gophers. What a stupid name that is. All day, baby. It's like WalterFootball.com. Yeah, it's Walter Football's alma mater. It's a very arrogant name. Could have been the Silver Gophers, Bronze. Could have just been a Gopher. Golden Gophers, baby. Golden gopher. Well, a gopher by itself, though, is not <laughs> imposing. And no one looks at a gopher and goes, oh, we're, we're fucked today. Yeah, but nobody looks at a golden gopher. The Michigan State Spartans, right? When the Spartans yeah. show up, you're like, oh, damn it. I guess we're going to lose. A wolverine? You cannot fuck with a wolverine. A wolverine will kill you. doesn't matter if you're an elephant, a lion. Wolverine, if it doesn't kill you, it's going to go down trying to claw your eyes out. I don't know what's going on here. Wolverines instill fear. Spartans instill fear. Gophers do not. I don't care if they're gold, silver. I don't care. It's a stupid mascot. Well, I'm not afraid of Wolverines while we're being totally serious here. You are not afraid of Wolverines? No, dude. Put me in a small cage with a Wolverine and see what happens. See who walks out alive. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Contact the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com, or better yet, tweet us. At Roto Underworld, at Sonic Truth Pod, at An Outraged Jew, at <laughs> Fantasy underscore Mansion. A lot of ads. Send Nate Liss Wolverine GIFs. Set the record straight <laughs> on Wolverines. He has no idea what the hell he's talking about. It's almost like Nate Liss went to work for Walter Football. <laughs> Look. Let me tell you this. You buy me a one-way ticket. You would be signing up for a world of hurt. And put me in a cage with a Wolverine, and I'll send that piece of shit back to hell where it came from. No problem. No problem. I will tear it in half over the top of my head as I do one loud battle cry, and I snap its spine over my knee. You are a fool. Yeah. You know what? That Wolverine's a fool for getting in that cage with me. Gnaw right through the side of its neck. So anyways, let's talk about Shannon Brooks for a minute. We really have no idea. What is going on? I've seen a Wolverine, all right? My Uncle Tommy was killed by a Wolverine, Nate. How, how many years ago did he die, Matt? I don't remember. I was lying. Okay. He was, too, because there's no fucking way that a Wolverine could kill a man that was standing up. There's no way. It's too- You're so full of shit. Please talk about the running back from the Minnesota team. All right. That's fine. Anybody that's got a Wolverine, send him my way. All right. You're out of your element talking about wild animal. I, You know, I used to catch rodents. Can you p- stop it? Just stop it. Okay. No, I didn't. I don't want to put that out there. I don't. No, I don't want to associate myself. I. What's wrong with you? Uh, Usually I'm fine us wandering away from football, but not right now. This is just bad radio. You know, you think that popcorn thing was, but let's, all right, let me get back to this. You derailed me. You derailed me. So. You're being very bad at radio right now. Okay, so Shannon Brooks, freshman year, phenomenal. Then last year, he's coming off an injury at the end of the freshman year into his sophomore season. He had a down year. He's also now playing behind Rodney Smith, who got a bulk of the carries, 240 carries. Shannon Brooks had 138. 
They had relatively the same production, though, on those carries. 4.7 yards per carry for Shanna Brooks, 4.8 for Rodney Smith. But this is Shanna Brooks coming off of an ankle injury. I do believe that if Shannon Brooks can get back to 2015 form, he can be one of the most undervalued running backs in the country. I posted some stuff on Twitter last year, and it, it just shows his versatility, his burst, his speed, his shiftiness. You know, the guy can change directions on a dime, spin move. He just got so much special ability. And to me, he was on sort of that Darius guy's kind of body type and explosiveness. They're not the same guy, but if you go look at what Shannon Brooks does. Let me get this straight. You believe that Shannon Brooks may be somewhat comparable to Darius Geis? Because if so, I didn't think I could be any more excited about this 2018 running back class, and you just made me more excited. I think that some of the things that Darius Geis does that separates him from Saquon Barkley are some of the same things that I've seen Shannon Brooks do. And I know that there's some people in the draft (laughs) community that are high on Brooks, too. So I know he's a sleeper. He's way down the list on a lot of lists. But let him have a healthy season and come back in 2017, and let's see what he does. My guy has an even higher floor than Shannon Brooks Mm. at the next level. This is a guy that I can't believe you didn't talk about when you focused on your top five running backs for 2018. Why? Because I love production. You know I'm a college production snob. Show me the dominant college producers. And it doesn't get more productive than Oregon's Royce Freeman. According to Russell Clay on Twitter, follow him at Russell J. Clay. Heading into this season, Freeman is already in the top 100 all-time for rushing yards in college football. Beyond that, he's less than 1,250 yards away from the top 10. You know who's number 10 in all-time rushing yards in college football right now? Alex Collins? That's right. Yeah, get ready when you start talking about these lists. It's not a bad guess, but it's LaDainian Tomlinson. Ooh. So Royce Freeman could vault into a very select group of running backs this year. And all he has to do is rush for 1,200 plus yards. I mean, that's not a difficult leap to make considering as a true freshman, Freeman rushed for over 1,300 yards and 18 touchdowns, followed it up as a true sophomore with 1,800 plus yards, 6.5 yards per carry and 17 touchdowns. And if you're wondering, is he just a between the tackles pounder? No, 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 no. 26 receptions, 348 receiving yards, 13.4 yards per reception. So when Royce Freeman gets the ball out in space, he is trucking defenders, he is making defenders miss, and he's ringing up first downs, touchdowns, and fantasy points. This guy is simply good at football. I'm not sure what kind of athlete he is. The speculation is that Royce Freeman's not an exceptional athlete, but he's a historic producer. I know that about him. So he's already well on his way to being the signature hashtag good at football running back in this class. And I always want that running back on my fantasy team.
this is just bad radio. We'll let the outtakes decide, mate. Set the record straight, brother! I was like, what's gonna really get under his skin? Yeah, that came out, and then the popcorn, I was like, that's not on the show sheet. That's definitely not on the show sheet. 15-minute popcorn story. All right, I'm getting out of here. I gotta go. Walter Football leads the sports world in wrong. You're an awful whistler. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Shut that dirty whore of a mouth. So Cam Newton started his career hot. Yeah, Dane Cook's right up there with Walter Football. I'm just waiting to purchase it. I've been I've been holding off, hoping that they're, uh, they'll lapse on their domain name. So I can just put up a big sign that says, Bad Analysis no longer resides here. Dun-dun-dun-dun. We're going to do that dun-dun-dun-dun again, right? Well, except the fact that he was busted for PEDs. <laughs> positive test every day there's the positive test <laughs> Rashad Perriman's best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is Kevin White Kevin White's best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is Kevin White wait what I'm on Richards he's basically Equinemia St. Brown 49 receptions, 934 yards, 19.1 yards per reception. St. Brown's not on any radar that I own. Super dominant and did it only 49 catches. He did that as a freshman. This is a fucking rabbit hole, okay? That's what this is called. This is a rabbit hole, and we cannot get sucked down it. We've got to stick. I mean, Amon Richards is good, man. But it's just interesting to look at these wide receivers that are percolating just under the surface. He led the team in receiving as a freshman. This is Amon Richards. This is a great player to talk about. Would sure love to do it next week. <laughs> more flavor call. More garlic. More flavor call. More garlic. More flavor call. More garlic. That fucking popcorn story. Just, I was looking at the show sheet. I'm like, I don't see anything on here about how to pop fucking popcorn. <laughs> That's why you're you and I'm me. No, I, you know, and I thought, oh my God, dude, you're tilting on the Maisie live read? No, I, you know, and I thought, and if you were dad, you'll be a fucking hero. Thinking about how I could figure out how to make popcorn the longest way humanly possible. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> Did something die in your throat? Your league mates commandeering an official league business channel from Nate List. <laughs> because of your popcorn story, we're way behind schedule. I'm taking that out. You can't do that. You can't make the audience feel bad that they've been enjoying the show. No, I'm making them all feel bad. All of them. All the janitors and grocery faggers. And... You, can, you can go for look it up. When the Spartans show up, you're like, oh, damn it. No one looks at a gopher and goes, oh, we're, we're fucked today. <laughs> Put me in a cage with a wolverine and I'll send that piece of shit back to hell where it came from. My father was killed by a wolverine, Nate. Come on, get out of here. I, you know, I used to catch rodents. We are struggling. It was that damn popcorn story at the beginning just sent the whole show into a spiral.
My father was killed by a Wolverine, Nate. 